It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. The Cincinnati Bengals win in Detroit in convincing, dominant fashion. Their second easy, you could say, win of the year. The other one coming against the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. 34-11, to 11, this game indeed. Fairly boring, fairly relaxing in some ways, in the good, in the right ways, in a good way compared to recent <laughs> weeks for the Bengals. It was a bit of a rough first half, but only for the offense. The defense played a fantastic game start to finish. At halftime, the Detroit Lions were averaging 1.8 yards per play. 1.8 yards per attempt, 1.8 yards per carry, which averages out to 1.8 yards per, per play. The, the offense for the Bengals, a, a bit of a slow start, but really disrupted by early penalties. They get on track in the second half. Zach Taylor mentioned in his press conference that he thinks they scored in every second half possession except for the one that ended the game on uh, Neil Downs eventually. That includes a Brandon Allen to Auden Tate touchdown. So 34-11, James, I, I believe. What, what was your score prediction for this game? Is is that was, in the ballpark? 34-17. So it was close. close. Yeah. I gave the Lions a little more credit, but yeah. Yeah, you know, Bengals four and two for the first time in the Zach Taylor era, first time since 2018. And James Rapine is back to 500 with his predictions, baby. So we're rolling today. We are, uh, we're feeling good here at Ford Field. But yeah, it, uh, again, it's the defense. The defense was just so dominant. And part of that has to do with Jared Goff was awful. I mean, he's bad. And I know he's not working with a lot, but man, where some of, some of his throws were just awful, awful, awful. Um, at the same time, I, I was, Going into halftime, even at halftime when it was 10 nothing, and Chase has that big catch, I'm like, is this really the offense? Like, is this what we're going to watch in the second half? Like, are they going to limp to a 20-10 to 10 win or something like that? It'd still be a win. It'd still be 4-2. and two. It'd still be playing for first place next week against the Ravens in Baltimore. And yet, I'm glad that they did what they did in the second half, which is score and score and score again. And really, that last first-half possession – And then throughout the second half, five straight scoring drives. That's what you need to see uh, from this type of offense. And I'm glad they got things jump-started and got things going for sure. And and I took another snapshot of the the team box score when I thought the game got to garbage time, which was, you know, a little bit more than 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. The the Bengals starting offense did not come back on the field for the most part a couple guys did because they're banged up on the offensive line which is something that we'll have to talk about but at that point in the game James even then the the Bengals had outpossessed the Lions 30 to 17 minutes they were averaging mm-hmm. six and a half yards per play to the Lions 2.8 yards per play the Lions had 104 yards of offense total offense 104 yards to the Bengals 337 377 sorry the Bengals 8 of 14 on third downs to that point. The Lions 1 of 9 
one of two on fourth down, which included a Jared Goff throwaway, hearkening back to Andy Dalton throwing the ball away on, <laughs> on fourth down. So uh, oh. really the takeaway for the entire game is complete game from the defense, right? They give up a mm -hmm. field goal. The starting defense does late in the game when they start playing some soft zone, giving stuff up underneath and playing a little bit less aggressively, I think. And Jared Goff able to take advantage of that with a bunch of underneath throws to get down the field, but great game from the defense overall and the offense took some time, but got going in, in the second half. And, and that's probably where we need to, to spend our time and give our attention. Right. Because as I talked about leading into this game, this is a lions team where you're like, try to name players on the lions, right? TJ Hawkinson, Jared Goff, Penny Sewell, the safety whose name I forget, who's actually pretty good, who uh, almost had an interception that T Higgins broke up. Tracy Walker. Um, there you go. The, the, the offense should have gotten out to a hot start. And Trey Hill starting this game for a clearly, I guess, clearly still sick in some fashion, Jackson Carmen, who yeah. comes in and he played okay, had a really good block on a big Joe Mixon run before he left the game. Uh, Trey Hill really disrupted them early. Riley Reef had a holding penalty. They they had those crucial penalties that really derailed drives early in the game. After we should note, the Bengals got their first first drive touchdown of the year. Yeah, it's it was such a well oil. It was eight plays, sixty one yards, and it felt like okay, this is what we expected. This is what we're going to see. And then from then on, their next four drives was an interception, punt, punt, punt. And it uh, the interception was obviously the drive you're talking about with the penalties. And we can get into that if you want. I think Chase should have caught it, but it was a high throw by Burrow. And Burrow was off on a couple throws like that uh, in this game, just a little bit, just a little bit, uh, especially early on. Uh, but they had like 32 yards of offense their next four drives. And that's just brutal because of the opponent. It's one thing if that happens next week in Baltimore and it's 10 to 7 and, you know, that's expected against playoff caliber teams. This is a Lions team that coming in, I mean, it was kind of a joke on Thursday night, Friday show. I was like, man, they need to boat race them. You were saying the same thing and we we're trying to name players. I just watched them for 60 minutes. I'm at Ford Field right now. I can't name 30 players on the Lions. I should be able to, right? Could name a lot of Ravens right now. Could name a lot of Steelers. Can't name a lot of players on the Lions, and so especially their defense. And so when they looked like they did, it was like, well, what the hell is going on? Why can't they do this and move the ball? And again, and I think it's kind of interesting that it's against Penny Sewell's team, Jamar Chase gets him going, and he's gotten him going, it seems like, every game this year with a big play. That 24-yarder puts him in field goal range, and, and then the rest was history. They got into a rhythm. And it is worth noting that I thought Zach Taylor had some really nicely called drives in the second half. And yes, to to the Bengals offense's credit, they did a lot of things that Seth Galina was criticizing them for last week in this game. They made those adjustments. They had the motion at the snap from under center. They had their best play action game of the year by far. And I tweeted the next gen stats. Play action splits. I think Burrow was eight of 10 on play action passes for two touchdowns with a uh, hundred and something yards, 150, 140 yards, something like that. So great turnaround for them in the play action game. They got that jet motion going under center that helped in the run game. I think on a few occasions, Joe Mixon, by the way, also 
really great game, but just in that first quarter or first half, they're the two drives that are disrupted by penalties, right? Where they get to, you know, second and 20 on a couple of drives in a row, third and 15, whatever it is, right? And it's, it's hard to come back from that. And the Lions in the first half did a really good job of keeping everything in front of them to their credit. And then they get to some drives where they kind of went into the Lions' strength. And this is where, you know, the, the, there's one thing the Lions' defense is really good at, James. Do you know what it is? I'll give you one guess. No idea. Literally no third downs. Probably not. They're really good at, at third down and short uh-huh. run defense. And and the Bengals twice on third down <laughs> and short, where they're really bad at down. running, ran Probably. right into that one strength of this Detroit Lions team. So that that was, you know, a little frustrating, but well, it, it didn't end up mattering. And they too did much. that. Yeah, they did that on their first drive of the second half, right? Didn't they go heavy? They, they went heavy on third and two, and they got one yard. And then the fourth down, that's right. Because I was like, are you serious? Then, yeah. I was like, you, you, you're really going to do that? And then the fourth down, that's when the – that really was the the game-changing play. As yes. much as, you know, Chase's 24-yard uh, catch that set up the field goal before the end of the first half. That play – and you want to talk about the play action and stuff like that and the motion. That's exactly – what I think so many people envision when you think of this offense, because there are weapons and you need to account for all these guys. And then you get the ball to mix it in space and, and Chase, Chase makes the block of his life. Great block. There, there were a few plays in this game that we should talk about, really go into on offense because we kind of did the doom and gloom stuff. Like, well, not all of it. We need to talk about Burroughs day a little bit more and, and some of that, but generally second half much better. We should talk about some of those plays in the second half. Chris Evans, Blitz pickup, Chris Evans, touchdown, Jamar Chase, block down the field. So we'll talk about some of those plays on offense. It went really well coming up next. I'm sure this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, plus you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, it's time, instead of having everything spread out, to get it together and bring it together in one spot with Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before no more juggling remotes or having to buy another device you can get it all in one spot with direct tv stream get rid of the clutter and the confusion by going direct to directtv.com again that's directtv.com to check out direct tv stream compatible device required content varies by package if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're going to continue to talk about the offense here, James, for I think another segment before we get to some of the individual performances on defense. And there were a couple. There, there were a few to be sure on defense that we'll get to. Logan Wilson, Von Bell, uh, you know, Jesse Bates, Chidobe Abuzie, Trey Hendrickson, even Sam Hubbard had a play that I recall. Akeem Davis-Gaither nearly had a pick. So lots of really good stuff to talk about on defense, too. Let's, let's focus on Joe Burrow's day for a few minutes here. Because as you mentioned, it was a bit of an uneven day. 
I, I really liked a few things, right? Uh, like I mentioned, turning around the play action game, that's huge. And, and that's big not only for Joe Burrow, who's struggled with play action this year. If you look at his stats on play action, they haven't been very good. Uh, but it's also just big for the offense in general, implementing more play action, putting a bigger emphasis on it from the very first drive of the game throughout the game from under center and from shotgun. There's a, you know, a, a, a dig route from T Higgins in the second level of behind the linebackers off of a shotgun play action play. Obviously, you know, there's the CJ Uzama touchdown comes off play action. So the play action game takes a big step in the right direction, but as you mentioned, James, wasn't necessarily Burrow's sharpest game, the accuracy, not what we've become accustomed to. And there's a couple decisions that he probably would want back. So overall, let's put context around this. Good game for Joe Burrow, but there are some some things you can pick at against a pretty bad team that they'll need to clean up going against the Baltimore Ravens next week, who just absolutely destroyed the Justin Herbert offense that scored like 48 points against the Browns last week. Yeah, Baltimore's good, right? Just a reminder for those who, who are questioning them or doubting them or whatever the heck you were doing with them. They're they're really, really, really good. And by the way, the Bengals just blew out a Lions team that had Baltimore on the ropes. But it just seems like the Ravens are, are hitting their stride now, and that's welcome to life in the NFL. But getting back to Joe Burrow, yeah, I thought early he was a bit shaky, but he was running for first downs. And like I said, they went out and they scored. And then things just stalled a bit, and it wasn't necessarily his fault. Um, but was he on, you know, peak Burrow where we've seen him just like this, you know, elite type high end, you know, top five type quarterback? I don't think he was that, which they is fine because you didn't necessarily need that today. You need that next week against the Ravens, I think. I think that's exactly what we saw today when you tie it all together. Um, but no, I, I think that uh, that he played well, not great. Good would probably be the best way to describe it. B, B plus. And you take those B plus games, especially on days like this where he look he was like he wasn't whispering during his post-game news conference but he wasn't talking loud he's not talking as loud as i yeah. am even right now i don't think um and, and so that's something that he had to work through throughout the week so the fact that he came out and threw for he would have topped the 300 yard mark if he didn't get pulled and uh completed close to 70 percent of his passes three touchdowns you take it and you uh you try to fix that other stuff and, and you move forward yeah, and the, the mistakes came. There's a ball that bounces off Jamar Chase's hands for an interception, which it's, uh, in my opinion, from the end zone view, Jamar Chase tries to move before the ball gets to him, and he sat down in the zone, and Joe's trying to fit it in. And so that makes the throw look a little bit worse than it was. It might have been a little bit high. There's uh, earlier in the game a high passage Jamar Chase that he tries to one hand that ends up getting deflected, almost gets picked, falls harmlessly to the ground. There's the play that Tracy Walker breaks on to T Higgins where they start too high and Tracy Walker just breaks downhill on a T Higgins in route. That's nearly an interception. T Higgins made a really good play to break it up. So there are those misses, but the sideline shot to Jamar chase to, to end the first half or, or near the end of the first half doesn't go for a touchdown this time because there's a safety coming over the top to help, but that's a bucket pass. Great throw. The, uh, the the throw to Jamar Chase on the post might have been like a tiny bit underthrown, but certainly good enough to be a, a big throw on a big play when Jamar Chase got loose in the secondary. And outside of that, was generally pretty efficient, was generally pretty patient. 
Uh, the, the only other play that stands out that I want to nitpick is he tries to escape a pressure with that little spin move and tries to roll to his left. And it, it just seems like, I don't know if it's the knee or, or, you know, where he's at in the recovery process. He just doesn't have the juice to get away from that this year yet. You're talking about the, the play after the deep ball to chase? He, he takes a sack trying to, trying to evade. In the red zone? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was an ugly sack. And you just want him to throw it away there. Yeah. I, I mean, because he was – there was – I don't even think Joe Burrow last year gets away from that, like with the angle that I saw. Um, but, yeah, thank goodness for Chris Evans, right? <laughs> they throw it to Chris Evans and he scampers all the way down to the two. And then uh, C.J. Uzama, get, you know, records the touchdown. But, uh, yeah, that, that's a sack you don't want. And you can't have, by the way, next week. Like those little things can't happen if you're going to beat the Ravens because you don't score against the Ravens when you take that sack. Instead, that's you settling for three after a huge play to chase. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk running backs. We'll get to Chris Evans in a minute. Before we do, we should not overlook Joe Mixon's game. Chris Evans had a great game. We want to talk about him because he's this new shiny thing. He got playing time for the first time. He had an amazing blitz pickup on the Jamar Chase post. He caught a touchdown pass. He had the play you just talked about. He looked good as a runner. But Joe Mixon, before we talk about Chris Evans, I guess we just did talk about Chris Evans inadvertently. Uh, Joe Mixon had a really good game, too, making guys miss in the backfield numerous times and then getting into space. There's one play in particular where it looks like it's going to go for a three-yard loss. He shakes the guy in the backfield, ends up getting like a five- or six-yard gain, I think. A number of times he looked bottled up and managed to make guys miss. So he looked like good Joe Mixon today. He did go down awkwardly at one point, got some medical attention very briefly on the sideline, came back in, but 18 carries for 94 yards. That's over five yards per carry to go with the five catches for 59 yards, including the longest touchdown of his career, that 40-yard touchdown pass with the immaculate pancake from Jamar Chase downfield on a cornerback. Oh, my goodness. Jamar just ran through him. I mean... Everyone was talking about Sewell because of his blocking. Well, we saw Jamar Chase with his blocking, right? There I mean, you go. what a what a play. But no, it, look, that's the stuff that I want to see from this offense because you get Mixon and you give him a head of steam. And are we sure Mixon wouldn't have gotten out of that tackle anyway like he might have? I love that Jamar sprinted ahead and was able to get that block so he didn't have to deal with it. But yeah, we saw good Mixon today, and I, I like some of the cuts he was making, which when he's his self, that's that's what you're saying. You're like, oh, man, look at that cut. Or how did he do that? And we saw it on the touchdown run against Green Bay last week. But today was, you know, a full dose of Mixon, which I was still a little up in the air about, even though Zach Taylor said that that would happen going into the game. You just never know with running backs, especially with a guy like Chris Evans behind him. But, uh, no, Mixon balled out. And, and so, did, so did Evans. I think these running backs, we talked about this, Jake, before the season. Chris Evans, RB2. I might, it might be Chris Evans RB too. I think he might be there. A a lot of that is because of the blitz pickup, right? Like we haven't seen a running back on this team pick up a blitz as nicely as Chris Evans did. And Joe Burrow gave him credit after the game. He gave him a special shout out for continuing to improve. And we know that Chris Evans has the athleticism. We've talked about it a ton and it showed up today. He got his chance. I think he took advantage of it. And I like Samaj P. Ryan, but In my opinion, this game, I know there's some opponent quality questions. Chris Evans deserves an extended look um, coming off this game. To to wrap up our thoughts on the offense here, James, real quick, I've got some stats for you. Jamar Chase currently on pace for 1,558 yards on the season. 
that would come on 76 catches and 14 touchdowns. He's been, I think, everything that you could have possibly hoped for, maybe exceeding expectations to this point, has unlocked Joe Burrow's deep ball in a big way, caught both of his deep targets today, the only two deep passes that Joe Burrow threw today. The other one I've got for you is Joe Burrow has now played 16 NFL games, although you might not want to count the Washington game. He only got through half of that one. In those 16 games, he's completed 387 passes out of 578 attempts. That's a 67% completion percentage, 4,213 yards for 7.29 yards per attempt, 27 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. So if you're one of those people that wanted to know what's his first 16 games look like, it's pretty good. Pretty good for your first 16 NFL games, Mr. Burrow. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, overall, you look, he would have set the rookie record for yards, and he was on pace to do that last year. But there you go. I'm pretty sure that would be uh, the rookie record if it was uh, in one season. So hopefully he can continue that for the the rest of this season now. they got 11 games to go, four and two, by the way, and they match their win total already. So uh, I wonder what the – we're going to get the bet online in a second. I wonder what the betonline.ag odds were for that. But first got to tell you about Bilt Bar because the Bengals clearly, what they did at halftime, is 10 nothing. They're playing against this line team so that it's downright bad, right? You're wondering what the hell is going on. I was. I know Jake was. Everybody is, right? Well, they had their halftime Bilt Bars. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get with Bilt Bar, and I'm going to make sure they send Zach Taylor – and, and Mike Brown, plenty of built bars so they can eat them pregame, not just halftime, but pregame. That way, the Bengals will be good to go in Baltimore next week. If you don't know what built bars are, they're the number one protein bar on the planet. They taste great. They're covered in 100% chocolate, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. So check them out at builtbar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. James, you mentioned the bet online odds. I would say probably you couldn't bet that the Bengals would exceed four wins. I think that those odds would be too long. But betonline.ag has you covered for any prop or game bet that you might be interested in. Your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. They've got that updated interface we've talked about. The site looks better. Not only that, it houses more odds, props, and contests than ever before. Head over to the website right now. When you sign up, use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code. Again, that's locked on when you sign up. From football to basketball, boxing, MMA, whatever it is that you like to bet on, betonline.ag has you covered. Again, go check it out, betonline.ag, where the game starts. James, I got one more stat for you before we go defense here. I know we've talked a lot about the offense in a game when the defense was dominant, but uh, who was it? Somebody, Ross Tucker, pointed out that there's been one quarterback in the history of the NFL to throw multiple touchdowns in the first six games of their second season before Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow did that this season, and that was Dan Marino. And Justin Herbert in his first two games of this year, because I was surprised that Justin Herbert didn't also do this. Justin Herbert in his first two games – of 2021 only through one touchdown pass in each of those games. So Joe Burrow finding himself in some more elite company. That being said, yeah. James, let's uh, shift gears, talk defense. What stood out to you? I've been talking probably too much as I am want to do in these post game shows. <laughs> what, uh, what stood out to you on the defensive side of the ball? 
Well, let's start with Trey Hendrickson. I think Trey Hendrickson continues to make an impact, continues to pressure opposing quarterbacks, continues to be that Bengals edge presence that they desperately needed and still need, right? They need more of it, but but he certainly brought it. And I, I liked what I saw from him again. Uh, Logan Wilson, the interception obviously stands out between him and Bell. But L- Logan Wilson's a beast. I mean, you just – multiple tackles for loss. He was second on the team in tackles behind Von Bell. Uh, had a pass defense, has four interceptions now. And I know it's weird. It's more almost like a, a recovered fumble, right, that he caught. And, and so it counts as an interception. But there's a theme here. And he's always around the ball. And he's always making plays. Uh, so, so those are two guys. You know, and we could talk about the scheme. or uh, and, and actually, let's not. Let's talk about this, too, real quick. and Because I want to get your reaction. And I saw it on Twitter. But I'm going to uh, bust it out anyway. Chidobe Awuzie had the best postgame fit of all time. And and I I literally said to all the writers, you know, Daner, uh, Ben Baby, uh, Mike Petraglia, uh, all of them, Jay Morris. I mean, I don't know if they all heard me or not postgame. I'm like, how does it feel to know that no matter what you do and in my head, no matter how many built bars I eat, I'm never going to be able to pull that off. I'm (laughs) never, ever going to be able to pull that off. I mean, he had the Cheeto gold. he, He had the. Uh, the suit with nothing underneath the in, in the blazer with nothing underneath, and you know what he said? He's like, "I plan on wearing a shirt under this, but the blazer was too tight." <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> so, so those are my three defensive uh, standouts. I'm sure there were more, but those three dudes, who for what they did on the field, and then uh, what they did off the field. By the way, speaking of post game drip, uh, Logan Wilson wore a rock shirt, like the Rock, one of his shirts. So I noticed he, that. As well. He also once again wore his backpack, which I've noticed is a trend for Logan Wilson. Have you noticed this? At least the last two weeks, or maybe last two out of the last three weeks, he's done post-game pressures. He's had his backpack on during the I press like conference, it. which uh, entertains me a little bit. Um, yeah, Cheeto. So, so there's this trend in fashion in the last couple of years. I think it started probably two, three years ago, maybe maybe longer. I don't know where like women like Hollywood actress women at these award shows would wear the blazer with nothing under it. And mm. that was a look for women. And I'm like, man, Cheeto, you can rock that. Like he pulled it off. Uh, yeah. So, so that's my note on post game drip, post game fashion. Also really good play. As you mentioned, great pass breakup on the sideline continues to be a mostly good tackler. I think he missed one tackle in this game, but had a couple other really good tackles. So, uh, Cheeto continues to be speaking of guys that are everything they hoped they would be. Cheeto is everything that I think they hoped he would be when they signed him in the off season and is a guy that coming off of, you know, a rough year in Dallas, clearly a buy low is very likely going to pay dividends for this team. And it sounds like he really enjoys the camaraderie he's found in Cincinnati and his teammates and the organization Mm -hmm. judging from his post game comments. So that's really refreshing to hear as well. Logan Wilson, as you mentioned, I mean, he's a, he, he didn't grade very well for PFF last week against green Bay, but he's been, he's taken the leap. He's taken the leap that was promised by coaches in, in the preseason. When we talked to coaches, when you talk to coaches throughout the preseason, it was like Logan Wilson, watch him this year. And mm-hmm. I've, I was skeptical just because of the Bengals track record with linebackers, right? Like they haven't had a dude at linebacker for a while. And, and Logan Wilson is a dude just checking out the PFF recap here that came up uh, probably five minutes ago. Uh, they have him down for not only the interception, 
the pass breakup, another pass breakup, uh, two tackles for loss, as you mentioned, James, and they think that he's going to be a 90-plus PFF grade for this game, which is elite, elite territory. And I would always be remiss if I weren't to mention DJ Reader, who, again, mm-hmm. continues to be a stalwart in the run game, had a really had a couple nice run stops, I believe, and um, continues to be the centerpiece of a really generally strong defensive front. So uh, great game overall for the defense. Even Jesse Bates, Von Bell, you mentioned Von Bell instrumental in that uh, Logan Wilson pick, but but Jesse Bates also had some nice plays, especially coming downhill, making tackles, and has shown that instinctive play from free safety that we've grown accustomed to. So good day all around for the defense. Terrible offense, but they did their job. And that's all you can really ask them to do. I, I know after the game, they were kicking themselves a little bit for not getting the shutout, but very hard to do in the NFL, especially when coaches like to bite kneecaps and kick field goals. That's right. Well, look, they uh, they took the fight to the Lions, and that was something I think I wanted to see, right? Because that's, that's how the Lions, that's their MO, that's how they were going to try to win and how they're going to have to try to win. Uh, each and every game this year and it started with that defense and the way they played and how physical they were and uh it's great to see by the way Lou Anarumo you want to talk about pre or you know post game drip this is has nothing to do with what he was wearing but my guy Lou was signing autographs and doing everything but kissing babies uh before the game I mean this dude was feeling it I mean he was energized and ready like he's you could feel his confidence right and then they go out there and nearly pitch a damn shutout and give up three points as a first-team defense. I mean, good Lord. So there's a, there's a lot of confidence in that side, and I, I could feel – I mean, he was fist, he fist-bumped me. I mean, Lou was feeling it. He was feeling good today. And uh, and that's before the game, obviously, when you're supposed to have pregame, you know, uh, butterflies and stuff like that. He did, by the way, and this is what I respect. See, these are the little things that you should come to Lockdown Bengals for. He also was doing pregame push-ups. My dude. Lou Anarumo banging out some push-ups before the game. So, uh, yeah, he uh, he's brought it, man. He's coached really, really well so far this year. Yeah, you gotta you gotta give Lou Anarumo a ton of credit through six games. This is a defense that continues to perform like one of the better defenses in the league. Easily, I would say, a top ten unit. And what a turnaround that is for a team that struggled so much on that side of the football last year. You know, last year in the offseason, you and I, if you were to ask us, if the Bengals were to fire one of their coordinators or or one of their assistant coaches and keep Zach Taylor, maybe, you know, they, they, they we, we both thought, and I think everybody thought at the time that Lou was going to be the guy to go. If they were going to keep Taylor and make mm-hmm. a big change, it was going to be Lou Anarumo and Zach Taylor fought for his guy and, and, the Bengals made a choice to keep Luana Rumo, and so far that has paid dividends this year as he's got his guys in the building and, and has his scheme and, and some quality players at every level of that defense cooking and, and also credit the arrival of Marion Hobby and, and some other offense or some other assistant coaching changes for some units that have played pretty well. We'll have more time to talk about this game. Once you're back in Cincinnati, James say goodbye yeah. from your background there at Ford Field. Really cool background if you're watching on YouTube. And until next time, Bengals fans, the Bengals 4-2, and two, winning 34-11 to 11 
in Detroit at Ford Field. We'll talk to you next time. Hootay, and have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.